Hi everybody, I'm John Torrance. Welcome to our podcast channel. I know that you will be blessed by today's message. I want to just share a couple of thoughts with you and then we'll pray for South Africa again, all right? Because I, I feel burdened to pray for this country. But 2 Chronicles chapter 7, if you have your Bibles, verse 14 says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. And I want to just, for the next couple of weeks, I want to just focus on what is our role in healing our land as a church. What part do we play? What, what, how does it look like? You know, what are the nuts and bolts of healing our land? Is it just having an altar call and praying for the sick, or is it a bit more than that? Father, I want to thank you for your word today as it comes to us. I thank you that you would speak to the heart of every individual in this place, that, Lord, you would be glorified in our midst, that we would go out of this place knowing what our role is, what our purpose is, as we are getting to that part of your calendar in time, God, where it's time for the church to pick up its role, to pick up its mandate and fulfill what it is that you have called us to do in advancing your kingdom on this earth. And everybody said, Amen and Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So I do believe, family, that you know the role of the church is to become more and more significant as we move into this part of the time on God's calendar. I don't like to talk about the last days because as I've been saying, we've been in the last days for the last 2,000 years ever, ever since Peter got up on the day of Pentecost and preached and spoke about the outpouring. He said this was that which the prophet Joel spoke about in the last days. God will pour out of His Spirit. So, um, and please, I, I do believe that Jesus is coming back, right? But I don't know if He's coming back tomorrow. I'm, I'm not sure if He's coming back next week. I believe He's coming back. And uh, I don't believe that He has to hurry up and come back and rescue us because there's just a couple of us that are holding on for dear life. Um, but I do believe that there has to be almost like a mind shift when it comes to our understanding of church and the role of the church and the function of the church as it pertains to the restorative plan of God. And we'll get to that in a little bit. We'll get to all of that in a little bit, all right? I'm here to tell you this morning that the church is and has always been a hospital for the sick, the church because I see a lot of splits, a lot of divisions. I see a lot of pulpits that are used, which is a sacred place. I mean, I don't want to, I get up here and I'm like quaking in my boots. I mean, I've got butterflies. I'm like, I don't sleep Saturday nights because of what I have to get up and say and do here. But, uh, you know, I hear people ranting and raving on platforms and pulling other ministries down and speaking ill of people. But I want you to know that the church is a place for the sick because people are waiting for a word from the so-called man of God. That's how it was 
in the old days. That's how we were raised up in this house, that we would wait all weekend, all week, actually, for a download from heaven, and then as the servant of the Lord, we would come and we would bring that word, and that word we know is a double-edged sword. It cuts two ways, and for those that are religious and maybe arrogant and self-righteous, it would cut sore, but to the outcasts and those who know that they are sinners in need of a living, loving Savior, that same word would be soothing and healing. Why? It would be the very life of God. And I want to tell you as a family that one thing is for sure, that as the church, we never, ever stop preaching the gospel. As a church, we never, ever stop preaching the good news. We never stop winning the lost at any cost. We never stop discipling people and helping them grow and mature in the Lord. But I do believe that we also have to be healing to our land. What did Jesus do? If you look in Matthew 4, 23, the Bible says that he went about teaching in all their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of diseases among the people. And family, part of that healing and praying for the sick was deliverance as well. Deliverance is part of the good news that you can be delivered, you can be set free. The very first thing that Jesus did when he came back from the, de from the wilderness after defeating the devil was that he confronted even more devils, actually. In Luke 4 and verse 14, it says, Then Jesus, after being in the wilderness, returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of him went out through all the surrounding region. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by, by all. And so he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. But he came back in the power of the Spirit. Where did he get this power from? Well, we know a couple of verses back that he was baptized in the river Jordan in water, and then the heavens opened and the Holy Ghost came upon him in the form of a dove, and then the Spirit of God himself led him, drove him out into the wilderness, where three times he was challenged by the devil, and he overcame every temptation of the devil. I want to say, listen, if you cannot overcome the temptations of the devil in your own life, how will you ever help others overcome their temptations and help to deliver them? Hallelujah. You see, the devil knows who you are because of the weight that you carry in the spirit realm, not because of your accreditation not because you know some Greek and Hebrew, not because of your social status, but who are you in the realm of the Spirit? Who are you in the realm of the Spirit? If you read Mark 1, verse 32, it says, At evening, when the sun had set, they brought to him all who were sick and those who were demon-possessed. And the whole city was gathered together at the door, and then he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he did not allow the demons to speak. Why? 
because they knew him. Jesus was known by the demon spirits because of who he was in the realm of the spirit, because of the authority that he carried in the realm of the spirit, because of the power that he carried in the realm of the spirit. You are who you are because of what you carry in the realm of the Spirit. It matters not if people in high places know you. What is important is that demon spirits and principalities need to know who you are and the weight that you carry in the realm of the Spirit. Can you smile and say, praise the Lord. If you look at the story of the sons of Sceva in Acts 19, It says there, verse 13, then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, we exorcise you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. They might not have had an encounter with God, but they were trying to simulate what Paul was doing. But the Bible says, verse 14, that there were seven sons of Sceva, and Sceva was a Jewish chief priest, wasn't just a priest, he was a Jewish chief priest. So I imagine this man must have been a learned man, he must have been an educated man, he must have been a trained man, hours and hours studying the Torah, hours and hours praying, hours and hours doing all of the rituals. I mean, there's good credentials. That's a good reference to have. And he's got seven sons, and I'm sure the seven sons might have been schooled and trained and educated, and they try and simulate what Paul is doing. And look at what the devils say in verse 15. As they try to cast out the devil, the evil spirit answered verse 15 and said, Jesus, I know, and Paul, I know, but who are you? You might have a PhD. You might have all the credentials. You might have all the references. You might be known out there in the world. You've got all your certificates hanging uh, on the wall, but who are you in the realm of the Spirit? Hallelujah. And look what was the result. The Bible says the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overpowered them, and prevailed against them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. Bump your neighbor and say, who are you in the realm of the spirit? Come on, that doesn't mean to say if you're nobody, you can't be somebody in the realm of the spirit. God wants you to be somebody, but in the realm of the Spirit. God wants you to exercise the authority, but in the realm of the Spirit. Hallelujah. It's got very quiet in this church this morning. Hallelujah. Smile and and look at your neighbor and say, I think he's talking to you this morning. I think he's talking to you this morning. But as we can see from the story, we can see, number one, that Jesus was a churchgoer. Number two, it was in that church that he found his place and his purpose. Your place and your purpose are connected to the local church to which you are planted. We were raised up to believe that. That's how we were taught in this house. I don't know anything else but the local church. 
I got saved in this house in 1982, and I didn't know about any other church. Of course, I heard about other churches, but I had only eyes for this church. I couldn't wait to get to church on a Sunday. I couldn't wait to get to my life group on a Thursday. I couldn't wait to get into Bible school and do some Bible. I was, I was studying pharmacy, so I could have had a whole lot of excuses but I found, I do believe that I found my place and my purpose in the local church. And then number three, he got cracking on with his purpose. Bump your neighbor and say, crack on, neighbor. Come on, crack on. Let's get on with the plans and purposes of God. I know you're a businessman. I know you might be an engineer. I know you might be whatever it is that you are. But there's something greater upon your life. There's a mandate on every person here. There is a plan and a purpose that God has for every person that is born again. And it's part and part of the giftings and talents that He's given you. And the Bible says He leaves Galilee and He goes down to Capernaum and He goes to another church and in that church, He finds another demon. I don't know what it says about churches today. He goes to a church and He finds there is somebody bound. Why? Maybe in that church they, don't, they didn't believe in praying for the sick. They didn't believe in casting out devils. Come on, you can have all the coffee and the lights and all of that, but if you don't preach the cross and if there's no blood and if there's no move of the Holy Ghost and you don't pray for the sick and you don't cast out the devils, people come in the same way and they leave the same way. Can you say amen? The point is we preach, we teach, and we pray for the sick, and we cast out the devils, and all of us get to do that. I said all of us. You don't need a pulpit to do that. All of us do that. Your pulpit might be your workplace. Your pulpit might be your boardroom. Your pulpit might be that lecture room. I don't know what it is that you do, but we don't need a pulpit to preach and teach and heal the sick and liberate those that are out there who are oppressed by the devil. Bump your neighbor and say, I think he's talking to you. But then what does this healing our land look like? And I think before we get onto that, and I know my time is, I'm up already, I'm up already, but I wanted to just leave you with this one point because I think we have to revisit some of the foundational truths that for some reason or other, I don't know what it is, it's the work of the enemy, that I know for sure. But it's almost like there's a, an obscurity, like there's a cloud, like there's a, I don't know, like a doubt, like a bit of unbelief, like a, a bit of this, a bit of that. I know a whole lot of, a lot of that comes from Google. Do not believe everything you read on Google and Facebook. But we have to go back to some of these truths because we're acting like as if these truths don't no longer pertain for some reason or other. And the first thing that we have to reaffirm in our, in our hearts is this, that Jesus is already ruling and reigning in the heavens. And He's not coming back to then take up His rulership and kingship. When He defeated the devil on the cross is when He 
began to rule and reign. Actually, he was ruling and reigning before you and I were created, before the worlds were created. Hallelujah. The general feeling right now in the church world is like, you know what? Uh, the church really is irrelevant. The Antichrist, oh boy, I mean, they're gaining momentum right now. Any minute now, you're going to get the chip. It's coming. It's coming. The Antichrist and the systems of this world are gaining more and more power. And we are just under their control. We are under their dominion. There's just so much power that the Antichrist is exhibiting. And all we're doing as a church is we're holding on for dear life. Jesus, you better come tomorrow or the next step because we're holding on. I don't know if we can hold on much longer. Come and rescue us, please, because somehow we've run out of power. We've run out of the authority. And that's the biggest lie of the devil. Jesus is already ruling and, and reigning. The devil is a defeated foe. You say, well, do you have scriptures? I got lots of scriptures, my brother. Colossians 2 and 15, it says, having disarmed principalities and powers. And some of you need to take these scriptures because you're walking around in fear. You're walking around like any minute now, the boogeyman's gonna come from around the corner and take from you and steal from you and put all kinds of maladies on you. And you need to read these scriptures and it needs to become a revelation on the inside of you. But Jesus, 2,000 years ago, already disarmed every principality and power and made a public spectacle of them. And He triumphed over them. The Message Bible says He stripped all the spiritual tyrants in the universe of their sham authority. Their sham authority. What you're reading on Facebook and internet and Google and all of that kind of stuff and what's happening around the world is a sham authority. Thank you for your enthusiasm on that. Sham authority at the cross and march them naked through the streets. That's what he did to the devil and his hosts. The Passion says, then Jesus made a public spectacle of all the powers and principalities of darkness, stripping away from them every weapon, stripping away from them every weapon that He's been wanting to use against you. He has no weapons against you. And all their spiritual authority and power to accuse us. And by the power of the cross, Jesus led them around us as prisoners in a procession of triumph. He was not their prisoner. They were His. Would you bump your neighbor and say, neighbor, for goodness sake, the devil is a defeated foe. Jesus is already ruling and reigning in the heavens. All that's happening is the fulfillment of Genesis 3 and 15. That's all this is. And I'll put enmity. We know, we know from the beginning that there is conflict between the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. We know this. So whether we read about some new invention and what they're going to do and what they're not going to do, I don't give a hoot. The devil was defeated 2,000 years ago and God needs you on this earth to be the authority and the voice and the church to help advance His kingdom on this earth. He said, I'll put enmity. We know this between the, you and the woman and between your seed. And then He says, and He, Jesus, shall bruise the devil's head. 
and he shall bruise your heel. So the devil tried to bruise Jesus' heel, and he did that by crucifying him. But the devil didn't know that by crucifying him, it would be the end of him, that he would have brain damage, that he would be a defeated foe, that he would be stripped of all of his authority, of all of his power and ability to accuse you and me today. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. 1 John 3 verse 8, the last part of that says, for this purpose, why did Jesus come? Oh, because he could be a great preacher. No, because he was a great rabbi. No, well, because he, he was loved. Yes, but there's more than that. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the... Jesus is not coming back and there's gonna be Armageddon and this massive war and all his enemies are gonna be killed and all of this kind of a stuff. He's already defeated the devil. We have to enforce that victory. If you believe the lie of the devil, then the serpent that he is in Genesis, every lie that you believe, you feed him and he becomes the dragon that you read him about in Revelation. But actually, he's a defeated foe and he works through lies and illusions. And he accuses and he brings condemnation. And the more lies you believe, the bigger he becomes. But actually, he's a defeated foe. Here's another scripture, Hebrews 2 and verse 14. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same. So he left his abode in heaven, came on and took flesh and blood so that he could identify with you and say, I'm gonna become human and in my humanity, I will be sinless. I will be the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. I will die on a cross, but three days later, by the power of the Holy Ghost, I will come back to life. And in that form, I would have defeated the devil. Look at what it says there. That through death he might destroy. That through death he might destroy. That through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. That bondage has been broken. That power of sin that keeps you enslaved in that, in that dominion of sin has been broken in Jesus' name. And Jesus is ruling and reigning in the heavens. Hallelujah. And you and I, we carry that authority. Praise God. He's in control of everything that is happening both in the heavens and on the earth. And you who are in Christ Jesus, do we have anybody that is in Christ Jesus this morning? There's five of you this morning. Do we have anybody that knows that they know that they know that they've been born again, washed in the blood of Jesus? They have their names written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Then Ephesians 2 and verse 4 applies to you. But God, who is rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive. He made you alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places. Does that sound like defeat? 
Does that sound like the Antichrist is about to take over any minute now? Does that sound like we need to get rescued because if Jesus doesn't come back any minute? I don't know, Pastor. I might just backslide. For goodness sake, if you want to backslide, hurry up and backslide. Get on with it. Get on with it and backslide. But for those of you who know the Scriptures and these Scriptures are a revelation to you, hallelujah, you know it's just a matter of time. It's crumbling right before our very eyes. We are living in such exciting times when we are seeing the kingdoms of this world that are beginning to shift and crumble. Everything that is man-made is beginning to crumble. Hallelujah. And I'm loving every moment of it. I'm loving every moment of it. Hallelujah. And for those of you that have your bags packed because Jesus is coming back tomorrow, I told you, please unpack your bags. There's still a job for us to do, a huge job for us to do. There's still a great job for us to do in Durban, South Africa. If you feel that you are called to Durban, South Africa, let me tell you, it, it, it calls for a special kind of person to be in this country right now, especially in KZN right now. Come on, it's not for anybody. But if you feel you, this is where God is, you, we could have been in any, I, I could be in, in any city right now. I could be in any city right now if I wanted to. I'm not boasting. I'm just saying I have, I have the opportunity. I had doors opening for me. I could have left long time ago, but God has called us to the city. What? To wait for Jesus to come so that He can rescue us out of this world. That any minute now, the Antichrist is coming. We're all going to be chipped and we're all going to be stuck. And there's just darkness and chaos and sickness and poverty. And I don't know if I can be a Christian pastor. I'm really battling. Temptation is great, lust is great, crime is great, corruption is great. I may just give in any moment now, you know. No, hallelujah, hallelujah. There's a plan and a purpose for Durban. You think God has forgotten Durban? There are people in the city of Durban, they think they're controlling Durban. They, they, don't, they haven't seen anything yet. It's just the grace of God. Listen, it's just the grace of God that allows them to wake up the next day. Just the grace of God. Just the grace of God. All the criminality and the murdering and the raping and the abusing and the corruption. It's just the grace and mercy of God. Very quiet in this Dutch Reformed Church this morning. Hallelujah! I feel very strong about this. That's why I'm preaching about that. And you and I carry His authority. We carry His rulership in our homes, in our businesses, in our communities. Hallelujah! Praise God. If you don't like what's happening in your community, how about you just folding up your trousers and falling on your knees and praying and saying, God, we need a move right now in our neighbourhood. I'm tired of the criminals. I'm tired of the drugs. I'm tired of the prostitutes. 
that are controlling and being the gateway into my community. We're going to get together and we are going to pray because you've given us the authority. The devil is defeated. Those strongholds and principalities are waiting for us to bind them and shut them down in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. There's no healing in our land because the church is fragmented. I love what's happening in, in, in Asbury, Kentucky. I love it. I love it. Presbyterians, Wesleyans. Oh, so religious. No charismatics, no Pentecostals, no talking in tongues, no praying for the sick, no prophesying. And God is busy moving. Because He can. He can. He can. In 1902, he used a, an African-American man, poor William Seymour. He only had one eye, but they, I'm told he could see one, well out of one eye than you and I can see out of two eyes. That's just a joke. But he was an uneducated African-American man sitting on crates, and they would pray in the Holy Ghost. That was charismatic. But here in Asbury, there's, no, there's, there's, no, there's nothing charismatic, Wayne. There's no Pentecostal stuff. And the charismatics of Pentecost, well I, well, I don't know if this is revival. You know, it's uh, what, 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 what? Shut up, man. Let God do what He wants to do. If He wants to work in the Presbyterians, if He wants to work in the Lutherans, if He wants to work in some African village and some unknown, that's how He is right now. Let me tell you, the day and age of big names and big ministries are over. Finished. I remember Pastor Fritz saying it's the day of the saints. And you look at Asbury, nobody's in charge. And the people are worshiping, young kids worshiping. And then somebody will get up and share a scripture. And there's order in the disorder. There's order. And God is busy moving. Hallelujah. And I just love it because He just uses insignificant people. Nobodies. 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 Whoever's hungry, whoever's thirsty. <laughs> Just a community of, what church are you from? I don't know. There's about 10 different churches here. It doesn't really matter what the name of it. That's how it ought to be. Who's in charge here? Well, we don't know, but we're just letting the Holy Ghost have His way. I think, I think you could say that, that, that He's in charge here. He's in charge here. I read somebody said, oh, you know, there's no such thing as no name revivals. No name revivals. We need a name. Just put God's name there, man, for goodness sake. Who cares what your name is? I don't care what your name is. Don't care what my name is, as long as Jesus' name is there. Let's stand up this morning. I've got a whole lot more that I want to say. But we're not going to give up on this country. Hallelujah. Not going to give up what God started. He's going to finish. Hello. We're going to pray this prayer this morning. The same one that we've been praying. I want you to pray it like you have faith this morning. Pray it like you have a role to play. Come on, you're not about to fly out any, any minute now. 
If you want to backslide, please go ahead and backslide. Get over it. Get born again, again, and then get plugged in. If you're looking for a way out, it ain't coming. Hallelujah. God wants to do what He began in the Garden of Eden, and that is extend and advance the kingdom of this earth and get it to the place where it becomes so extensive that it's like the glory covers the earth as the waters cover the sea. If you're looking for a sign, for goodness sake, do not look at Israel. We all got to look at Israel. That was my second point that I wanted to say this morning, that God only has one bride. He doesn't have two wives. There's no two wives. Nobody has a special deal with God. We come in through the back door. We don't have to come. Everyone has to come through the cross. There's no back door here. No back door. Don't believe the lie, man. <laughs> oh, I can feel right now. I'm not anti-Semitic, please, man, grow up. I'm just telling you, don't believe the lie. God began with a church in the Garden of Eden. In the wilderness, He had a church. And that church turned his, their backs on Him. And when Jesus came in the flesh, He then branched out to every single person, Gentiles, Samaritans, everybody else. But for goodness sake, He only has, it's like I hear some preachers saying, would you please welcome my first lady? Why, is there a second lady or maybe a third lady somewhere that we don't know? You ought to actually introduce her as my one and only. There's my one and only actually. I don't, she's not my first. I don't have a second and a third and a fifth tucked away because I've got five phones, you know, one phone for every one of my wives. Come on now. All right, are you ready to pray this prayer this morning? Come on. Hallelujah. God hasn't given up on Durban, South Africa. No matter what's happening in the parliament, not whatever, 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 whatever. The church is still alive and we're here on this earth. Take a deep breath. Here we go. One, two, three. Father, we declare today that according to Isaiah 9 and 4, You have broken the yoke of the oppressor and the power of ungodly authority. We come against every wicked scheme and evil plot of the enemy and against every tongue that would stir up strife, disorder and violence in our city. We bind every spirit of unrighteousness and ungodliness and dismantle demonic thrones whereupon ungodly rulers, wicked and corrupt governance and diabolical authoritative structures have been prevalent in our city and in South Africa. We say no more in Jesus' Name. Let's say that again. We say no more in Jesus' Name. One more time. No more in Jesus' Name. According to Isaiah 60, Habakkuk 2 and 14 and Ephesians 5 and 27. You said that Your glory will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea and that You are coming back for a glorious church without spot, wrinkle or blemish. We thank You for the Ecclesia, 
the called out and assembled ones upon whom you are pouring out your glory. We are called out and assembled to execute the divine orders of heaven on this earth and to release the government of God into every sphere of society. We are a community of believers from all cultures, tribes and tongues, born again, blood washed and filled with the Holy Ghost who carry the vision of your kingdom and who rule with the authority and spirit of Christ. We release the angels of God over our city Durban to guard, protect and to preserve life. We release the peace of Christ over our city and declare prosperity, blessing, protection, opportunity and the favour of God upon our people and our churches in Jesus' Name. If you believe that, give the Lord a praise offering this morning. We trust you enjoyed this message. To stay connected to Durban Christian Centre, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram and download our DCC Church app. Hop onto our website for any information you might need about the Durban Christian Centre. If you are in Durban, South Africa, we would absolutely love for you to join us at our Sunday morning services at 8 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. You can find us at 39 Golf Road, Mabel. God bless you. We look forward to seeing you. Bye-bye.